Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Happy Wednesday and welcome to another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. I am, as always, your humble host, and today we have a returning guest. He's been a little busy, just like yours truly, and in more ways than some, because he too made the venture from the East Coast to the Midwest, specifically in Indiana. Kevin Warmhold, welcome back to the Brian Nichols Show. Thank you very much for having me back on, Brian. It's been a while. I think our episode was number fifty-nine. Uh, was our episode that we did wow. before, and we're at like four fifty. I think you're four fifty-two, four fifty-three. So yeah, a little bit. It's been a while, but uh, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And I mentioned there in the intro, you too, just like yours truly, made the trek from the East Coast. You set up shop in Indiana, just like yours truly. How has the trip been and how has the transition been to the Hoosier State on your end? It's it's a relief. I mean, yes. the fact that uh, my pockets are fuller with more money <laughs> that the government doesn't get to take uh, it, it, it's, it's truly <laughs> what a what a difference. And how about uh, the the... the, the Hoosier hospitality and just the ideas and the goals and the values that everybody, even though you might have differences of opinion, it doesn't seem like everybody is in this constant state of waiting to be offended and have a fight. It just, it's so much less, I don't know, less toxic. Is that the best term to use? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's different when people actually hold doors for you and say hello and how you doing? Even if they don't know you, uh, compared to the get out of my way, <laughs> what I have to do is more important than what you have to do. Yep. Uh, hustle and bustle in New York. So I'm glad to be out of New York City. The last two years, the pandemic and everything, uh, <laughs> I couldn't wait to get out of there. So next, yep. I'm ready for the next pandemic. I got trees and pine trees and maple trees around me. I'm good. It was, um, it was a transition. I went to the, the gym. So, First and foremost, for the past two years, I did all my workouts at home because I was not going to be able to, to do my workouts effectively at a gym wearing a mask and such. I, just, I, I tried it one day. I couldn't see anything on my glasses. And I, I just like, this isn't safe. I'm lifting heavy weight over my head. Let's just not do this. I can do this pretty much at home. Just I was limited to the weights. And finally, I get you know here to Newcastle and the gym is not even five minutes from my house. It's open 24-7 and I'm walking in you know, the first day. And there's an old couple on the treadmill and just me in still East Coast mode. I'm just like, you know, powering in and they're like, oh, good morning. <laughs> just like, hi, how, 
How are yeah. you? And you're right. You have to almost recondition yourself because I think it's really been not just the disparity between the Northeast and the, the rest of what we consider the, the, the quote unquote flyover states, but also Kevin, and I'm sure you've seen this as we've moved out here, the past two years of insanity from a COVID perspective really has made the, the contrasts very stark between the, not just those, uh, I would say more coastal states, but also the, in the disparity between those flyover states, but specifically the difference between the red states and the blue states. What are your thoughts there? Well, I've noticed since being out here how the, the, the mask and, you know, everybody's a little bit more tolerant of let's get, you know, keep businesses open. Places didn't shut down. Places didn't close. The gym. The gym's been open the whole time since I've been here. So I've noticed that where there's a lot less restriction. People are happier. People are still doing the day-to-day. Less businesses closed down. I know many businesses in Queens, especially uh, where I did most of my work, shut down. Half the businesses in New York will never come back. So that in itself is a prime example of why Indiana and states like Indiana are better. Yep. And it speaks to the state of our union, which, of course, our fearless leader, Joseph Biden, talked about yesterday in front of the nation. Uh, everybody, I'm sure, was on pins and needles to hear what our, our just absolutely steadfast commander in chief had to say. I know I was excited to see Nancy Pelosi get really weird, maniacal. She was trying to do her shape shifting, rubbing her hands together behind Joe Biden when he's talking about soldiers dying in toxic fumes. And I, I think I, like you and many Americans were like, you know, I think I know the state of the union. It's bad. It's not good. Uh, let's talk about that, Kevin, because your average person, they listen to the Joe Biden state of the union and they probably left it feeling just as confused or pissed off as they did entering it. So let's give people the real State of the Union now, besides us, obviously, addressing the fact that, yeah, it's not good. Let's focus on where it is not good and maybe talk about where we can get some positive outcomes to, to bring forward to show people there's a way out. Um, I'm going to start off. I think the number one area that we have to talk about has been the COVID regime, right? And we, we started talking about this and the disparities we've seen between the Northeast and the, you know, the, the red states, the, the West Coast. It's, insane the the differences and we really have gotten to your point to see it firsthand now as we've made our move out here but there still seems to be this little bit of a sentiment and we saw this in the snl skit i don't know if you saw that where they they can't admit that they were wrong right and i don't know if they ever they will changed, they they actually changed the rules for masks for the state of the union the day of which speaks to the insanity that we've been pointing out from the very onset of this. And I mean, if you're going to look at what the narrative has been and where the Democrats and this, this, you know, the, the COVID cult has been over the past two years, they're now in a position to basically acknowledge that everything that Rand Paul, Ron DeSantis and Joe Rogan were talking about not only were right, but have been proven to be right. It's not that the science changed. Is that the politics change? And I mean, what's the way out, Kevin? Do you, do you see the 2022 midterms as being maybe a saving grace for the State of the Union? Well, I would say that I would have hope, but I don't because living in New York, uh, you know, I did some work with the Libertarian Party in New York. I was actually elected to JD10 in New York. And 
what they did was they changed the rules when they didn't apply to them anymore. Larry Sharp got ballot access in 20 in his gubernatorial run, and then they just changed the rules and took them off the ballot. So, I mean, as a whole, when the government doesn't like something or sees a threat, they change it. When something is scary, it benefits the government because they could implement whatever they want. They could change, make changes. They could, and it always goes one party or the other. They're just opposites. So when you only have two choices, this is what you get. Yep. And let's go towards another thing we get when you only have two choices. It's, in this case, some economic catastrophe. Uh, inflation is running rampant. We are seeing a supply, chi- uh, chi- supply chain crisis and breakdown where uh, you're leading to what seems to be stagflation. And uh, we have a job market where jobs aren't being filled. So we're seeing right now a lot of economic uncertainty. Now, you mentioned before you had some roles in the Libertarian Party, but we're not necessarily married to one particular party over the other, though yours truly will be speaking at the Libertarian Party of Indiana this coming weekend, so hopefully I'll see you there. Um, but uh, with that being said, what can we do from a policy perspective, bringing solutions to the table to show people there is a way out from this economic catastrophe that we find ourselves in? Well, I, I think the solu- solution is uh, less federal oversight, more localization. I think uh, the communities that kept most of the operations local and instead of abiding by the federal mandates uh, were successful. Uh, you look at localization, how small towns and small cities were able to keep businesses open during the pandemic in some of these flyover states, as you said. Uh, they were able to keep the economy going during the time where you know now we have stat- you know, we have inflation. Things are more expensive. I mean, gas is going through the roof. I mean, I'm not going to lie. A couple months ago, I invested in some U.S. oil thinking it's going to skyrocket with everything going on. And then this conflict in Ukraine happened. So, I mean, everything's getting more expensive. And if you live in the Northeast or the West Coast, they are affected by even more. But they never learn your lesson. They just move to another state and then bring their rules with them. Which we've done the opposite. I mean, we, uh, we brought yeah. our rules with us, but we left those blue areas and we were like, no, 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 we come in peace. Yeah. Please. I went to Austin, Texas uh, for my 40th birthday and there was California part two right there. I really? Mean, yeah, it's it's definitely, uh, <laughs> it's might as well just move California to Austin at this point. This, we're taking a little bit of a turn here because um, I think everybody knows what the, the third pillar and you, you tease it. It's going to be the Ukraine talk. But what do you think? And before we go there, Kevin, what do you think it is that holds people to keep those ideas when they're making a they're making the decision to move from California to Texas, which I mean, I made the decision to move from Philadelphia to Indiana and I wasn't a big fan of Philadelphia. And it wasn't that hard of a decision. But like if you're a big fan of the policies of California and you move to an area to escape said policies, but only to bring those policies with you, why? Like, is it, is it really this mentality? And we see this right with the, the wearing the mask. It's, it's that the, you're showing your, your politics that well, I'm going to show how good I am by voting for the Democrat. Is that what it is? I think it's a little bit of uh, both conditioning. I mean, people are conditioned to a certain way. When things are given to you or things are mm-hmm. made easy for you, uh, people have lost the, the struggle, the, the hunger to, you know, achieve things because there are politicians that try to make everything so easy that you're given everything, that you're giving healthcare, that you're given, uh, you know, <laughs> everything you need. 
people lose that hunger, the desire to try to achieve things on their own, try to work hard for the thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that would be my take on it. Yeah. Well, and I, I asked that question kind of tongue in cheek. I kind of was in the same boat as you, but I was hoping maybe you had a, a more positive answer, but no, I think you're right. And, yeah. and that's the, the unfortunate reality that we find ourselves in is we do have this battle of changing hearts and minds. And there's so many different ways to do that. I mean, I've had, Let's see. I had two U.S. Senate candidates. I had both the chair candidates for the National Party. I had both chair candidates for the Pennsylvania Party. And I think that the way to discuss how to change hearts and minds came up in six different ways. And I got six different answers from six different people. And that's just the very nature of us being in the greater libertarian world. So it's difficult because we can't necessarily give one one size fits all solution. And I think right there, Kevin, that's the point. There shouldn't be a one size fits all solution because we're not one size fits all people. And we have to be able to meet people. And I know I say this all the time where they're at on the issues they care about, but that's actually how you're able to change people's minds. And I mean, if, if we want to change people's hearts and minds and let's go towards the third topic right now, because this is probably the one that's leading all the headlines, and this is where all the emotional fervor is. It is this war in Ukraine. And I saved this one for last, not just because it is the most pressing conversation we're having, because I think, you know, I saw a nuclear war trend about six times over the past day or so, um, but also that you have some personal experience in terms of being in the armed forces and invading a sovereign country, in your case, invading a country like Iraq. And to your point we were discussing beforehand, it's a little bit less pretext for what we did in Iraq. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at the why we went to Iraq, the idea of WMDs and scaring everybody, you know, at the time, you know, as a Marine, you don't think about the politics behind it. You just worry about the guy to your left, guy to your right, come home safe or gal. Everybody goes home safe to, to their families. The politics don't matter at that point. Now, as I got older, a little bit wiser, you look back on things. It's why did we ever enter that crisis? I've discussed this with friends of mine that were in the service with me. And, you know, the Ukraine crisis is more of a justified reason to go to war. And we still shouldn't go to war. And that's the thing. That's how bad our pol- these same politicians that made those decisions to send people to war in, in, in Iraq in 2003 are some, most of them are still in power now. And they're making the decisions on how to handle a pandemic. And they're making the decisions on what to do with this crisis. We got to be very careful that we don't enter into another war because, you know, people's uh, emotions are taken advantage of. And that's exactly what, you know, they play the heartstrings and they try to get, you know, make you feel like it's a necessity. But it's not because being on the ground, when you see what war does, not just to the people around you on your side, but to the people on the other side. I watched, you know, people get pulled out of houses that got mortared. They weren't done on purpose, but it happens. Civilian casualties are a guarantee, no matter how hard you try. And uh, it's something that we need to be very careful about. And we're we're dealing with a nuclear power here. Like, I think that gets, like, it gets talked about, but not understood. Like, the implications of nuclear war, war sucks. Nuclear war is the worst. And by the worst, like, there is nothing after, like, that's, that's it. That's fine, done. And... I think we see too many people, and you mentioned this, like being so cavalier in, well, we we need to go stand against Russians. And it's like, do you know what that's going to do? 
Dude, the moment a U.S. soldier shoots a Russian soldier, oh my God. Right. Like that's that's the the beginning of something that we've never experienced. And, and Kevin, we never want to experience. Now, not picking on you, you're a little bit older than I, so you got to experience the tail end of the Cold War. Are you seeing some similar tones in terms of what you saw when you were growing up as the, the Soviet Union was ending and what we're seeing here today? Well, there's definitely the movement towards um, the second Cold War. You see that trend in all over social media. It's it's everywhere right now. They're trying to get you prepared to be scared because if they decide to do something, there's a justified reason behind it. And I'm, you know, yeah, I, I was a little young uh, during the, uh, the the end of the first Cold War, but you know, I remember the idea of you know the Soviet Union and watching Rocky Four and like how everybody felt like oh, those are the bad guys, those are communists. We, you know, we don't like them. We don't, you know, the Soviet Union's evil. Um, and right now what's happening is pretty evil. I mean, violence is unacceptable in any way. So, but is it necessary for us on the other side of the planet to get involved in? We got the Pacific Ocean, we got the Atlantic Ocean, we got a country to the north and one country to the south on our border. Nothing's going to happen here unless we bring it to that level. And I got three kids, so I don't want them, you know, you know if this thing goes on for another 20 years. Afghanistan lasted over 20 years. Iraq lasted almost 20 years. I don't need my kids going to fight that war. The war is not meant to be won. It's meant to be continuous. Continuous, endless. George Orwell, though, 1984. Um, yeah, it's it's scary. It's weird. And I, I frankly don't like it. I don't think anybody really likes it, Kevin. And I mean, God, we rewind a couple of months, a couple of years, and the conversation, it's changed so much. Like the right. the tenor of where things were to where things are, it's like the 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 writers of the script for for life are just they're they're snorting lines of cocaine, um, way too much Red Bull, and they're just going to town here. That like they took the Adderall, they're they're having a grand old time writing the craziest scripts. And I just like I think your average person just wants like this. This is why Biden got elected, right? This I want things to stop being crazy. I want this return to normalcy. Right. And it's like every action has led to another insane reaction and right. i'm like I, i'm i'm thankful because i think your average person now is starting to see in real time how each of these actions when they lead to another reaction just it's the inevitable uh, cause of another action that's going to lead to another reaction and since we've seen this happen especially in these past two years happen so quickly and so real time that now i think your average person saying time out like this was supposed to be the return to normalcy. This was the John Mulaney skit, the horse in the hospital. And he talks about, you know, I never really thought about the guy in the office before because I thought he was kind of an okay guy and he was competent and doing his thing. That was a whole skit. And, but he's indicative in that skit of your average person. They don't really pay attention to politics until things get weird. And not only things got weird under Trump, it was really blown up to be weird under Trump. But then like now that Biden has been president, and things have really gotten weird. People really can't not look away. And and once they see it, they can't unsee it, Kevin. So 
the state of the union <laughs> it's it's in a it's in a it's in a pickle um and i guess there are some ways out of it let's look at the we we discussed it a little bit at the very beginning the electoral path 2022 we're just a few shy months away from the November election, believe it or not. And we're already seeing, uh, I think it was a plus 10 uh, GOP swing in the most recent poll. I think it was a CNN poll of all polls. I I could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure that was the one I looked at um, or it may have been a Gallup poll. But the fact that the GOP is holding such a strong lead right now, I'm seeing a red wave. Kevin, what are your thoughts? You know, I think it's, it just goes to show, I think every president, uh, after their, their first midterm during their first term, there's always a swing because he was elected or she was, you know, if we ever have a she would be elected to make a change based off what they didn't like about the last person. Now, two years into it, people don't like what they see. There's going to be that shift again. And I think it's constant, you know, back and forth. It's healthy in a way that people are, able to change and kind of, but I, I just wish that there was more than two options. I appreciate all the time. I want, I don't want to be told that I have to do something. I'd also don't want to be told that there's only two options. I would like three or four options or five, because let's be honest, the last election, look at the two candidates. I mean, is that really the <laughs> best that America could provide for this country? I mean, is that what we could, that's the best we could do? Hell yeah. And now, <laughs> I mean. It's the best. Everybody best. loved voting between old man one and old man two. And the yeah, other option it's... was to have, uh, like we saw her behind the scenes, old lady one. And oh my God, she, like Nancy Pelosi, she's got to get something like, she, she's got to she get. She was supposed to give up her seat and then she apparently is not going to give up her uh, position. Oh, really? Uh, Yes, well, uh, that's news to the me. house. Yeah, uh, as so if I was I, in the inside. <laughs> but uh, Nancy Pelosi but didn't call me. I, I, she said she would only do one term until or until Trump got out. Now she's going to run again because she's a power hungry uh, shrew. Like there, there's nothing surprising, I guess, about that. Which is I actually, I actually, here's a quick story. I actually did her dignitary protection when she flew to New York when I was still working with the NYPD. Get out! I had to pick her up at LaGuardia, take her out to see her. Her daughter, grandkids, they went to breakfast and, you know, she did her own on her personal thing. You know, maybe she had a meeting mixed in. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, we provided security for her at the tax taxpayer's dime. Well, New York is known for having the taxpayer dime pay for some scrupulous activities. Andrew Cuomo. Yeah, he had a mistress up in northern New York and he'd had the state police escort him up there to go see her. Yeah, that's fun. Um, mm. So that's where your taxpayer dollars go in New York, folks. And people wonder why people are leaving the state in, what was it, 500,000 people per year over the past few yep. years? They lost the seat in, that, in the house. They sure did. Well, they tried to take out northern New York's district, which is my home district, and they've, they've gerrymandered that now to look nothing like the original 23rd district I grew up in, which is now the 21st district, which is uh, currently seated by Elise Stefanik. And I mean, it's obvious why it's being done, right? Like they're trying to to play politics to, to take out more seats that could be Republican seats. But like back to the election 2022, I don't know, Kevin, if it's going to be enough. Uh, you know, I, I'm starting to lose faith on the federal as a period, uh, you know, to begin with. So I think, uh, I like to focus on my local politics where, Amen. you know, I think it makes more of an impact for me. That's why we're, we are here in Indiana. Right. Um, because yeah. we saw 
what happens when you're in those blue areas and you have blue federal policy and all of a sudden emboldens some of those blue uh, leaders. I mean, I saw the mayor of Philadelphia in a heartbeat just follow along with the mayor of New York City with his indoor mask mandates and his vaccine passports and it got a little weird. And I said, this is kind of scary how quickly everybody fell in line with what the narrative was. So maybe it's important to surround ourselves with people who don't just share the same party identification, but also share the same values, right? That That's something we should be focusing on. So I'm glad to hear that, you know, we, we're seeing people start to do that, Kevin. And you mentioned it before, you know, it, it goes to options. People are looking for options. They're looking for different ways of doing things. And you've been doing that. You have your own podcast and you're talking a lot about uh, your behind the scenes experience in law enforcement enlisted. Uh, let's go ahead, talk about that and uh, lead folks to where they could go ahead, subscribe and uh, learn more. Sure. So uh, now that I'm no longer, uh, uh, you know, beholden to the government of the city of New York, <laughs> um, I, I think it's important to bring the community and people who are in service, first responders, police officers, detectives, military veterans, together with people in the community. The point of a police officer is to supposed to serve the community, protect the people within that community, and to help people protect their property against violent action. And we see time and time again, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of friction between the community and the people, uh, and the police officers or detectives or, uh, you know, first responders in general. I just try to give the, a place where we can have a discussion. They could tell their stories. They could talk about some of the casework they've done if they're a detective or an experience they had as a police officer that, you know, they delivered a baby or saved somebody's life or, Something, something involved like that where it can make a difference and have people understand it. It's just, I got lucky. I got in the military. I got hired by the NYPD within two months and I was an NYPD cop. I didn't, you know, I wasn't looking for politics. I watched movies as a kid growing up saying, I want to chase bad guys and arrest bad guys, you know, robbers, murderers, stuff like that. Then as you grow within the department, you see some of the issues with the department. Um, and you see a lot of like, you know, the petty nonviolent stuff that, they want you to enforce. Now, the changes need to be made at the local political level to achieve that. I and mean, that's a whole other topic and conversation. But I just want to give a platform for people to listen and actually hear from their mouth, their stories, and hopefully bring people together. So that's in, enlisted. It's on every, you know, Spotify, Apple, there's a YouTube channel up. Also, you can follow it at Facebook at official enlisted podcast. And uh, just check it out. It's it's interesting, you know, just listening to people's stories. My last guest was a uh, a Navy corpsman who was with 1st Battalion, 7th Marines in Iraq in a day-to-day battle, patching people up. They lost 16 members of their company during the battles. And um, 20, I just want to mention this, 20 have committed suicide after. So more have died after their time in service Wow! by suicide than in combat. So the war doesn't stop. When they declare the war's over, for the veterans, it never stops. They take that for the rest of their lives. And that's something that people need to realize. And that's why I'm doing that podcast. That's why we have conversations with folks like Adam Kokesh, Wiley Gray, who are going out of their way. And, and you know what? Yes, our, our dear friend, uh, the, the late um, Gaurav Dubey, who he was on the show um, from microdose.buzz, and he unfortunately passed away. Um, but talking about 
the importance of focusing on alternative forms of therapy, of medicine for our veterans. Uh, it's, it's imperative because that's the un, that's the unspoken epidemic, Kevin. So thank you for what you're doing over at Enlisted and having those conversations and of course telling those stories. And uh, folks, please do me a favor. If, if you've gotten value from what we're talking about today, well, obviously please share the show, but also please go support Kevin's amazing program, Enlisted. You can go ahead and find that if you go to briannicholshow.com you can find today's episode or just be easy. Click your podcast link. The uh, the artwork right there will bring you to today's episode where you can find all of Kevin's links, including the links to Enlisted, but also you'll find his bio, entire transcript of today's episode, and oh, by the way, all 450 plus other episodes of The Brian Nichols Show. With that being said, Kevin Warmhold, any final thoughts for the audience today? No, just uh, Brian, you keep doing what you're doing and uh, you know, you're doing great and you're, you've expanded over the years. I mean, you got me into podcasting when I first did that first episode with you. It, it motivated me to do something and I appreciate you. And I always remember that chance you gave me an opportunity to come on and talk with you about what was going on in New York at the time. And uh, I, I, you know, to this day, I still appreciate it. Thank you very much. Good people bring out the good people, my friend. And as always, folks, uh, if you believe that and you embrace that sentiment, well, please do me a favor, share today's episode so we can go ahead and support good people like our dear friend here, Kevin Warmhold. But with that being said, folks, thank you for joining us on today's episode of The Brian Nichols Show. With that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Kevin Warmhold. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe. Want to help us reach more people? Give the show a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Find us at briannicholsshow.com and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on social media at bnicholsliberty and consider donating to the show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network. This is renegade statesman Eric Brakey, host of Free America Now, a podcast for people ready to strike down tyranny. As a former state legislator who knows how the political machine works, I lead every episode with a free-range discussion alongside thinkers, activists, and policymakers. People like Tom Woods, Hannah Cox, and WWE superstar and Knox County Mayor Glenn Kane Jacobs on just how to free America now. New episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, and you can find Free America Now on your favorite podcasting app. So be sure to subscribe, unless you're a communist, in which case I understand why you wouldn't really like the show. Furthermore, my opinion is the Federal Reserve should be destroyed, so let's free America now.